Alex is part of us. Alex is part of us uh, as, as a church, and I'm very grateful for that. He's also been a Baptist minister for um, over 25 years, so a man of a lot of experience. And he's going to be uh, preaching this morning and then um, leading us in, co in communion as well. So bless you, Alex. Thank you, John. Over to you. Hey, uh, I'll just sort myself out here a bit. It's, um, <coughs> excuse me. It's great to be here, and uh, I just want to say thank you to John and the leadership, and um, it's been a bit of a journey for me. I came along to this church just a few months ago, and Mike over there, my wife came with me, she goes to a Catholic church, and uh, Mike talked to us, and at the end of it, Ross said to me, she said, I think this is a church you're going to like. Um, it's so good to come into a church where people actually talk to you and say hello and welcome you. <laughs> I'm seriously, and make you actually feel part of it. And it's just been so refreshing talking to John and the other leadership and to find I, I can actually be a part of a church where I can actually make a contribution. So for me, it's a bit of a miracle actually being up here this morning as an affirmation of um, John's faith in me. So John, I hope your faith is kind of um, rewarded this morning. <laughs> hey, I just want to pray before we start. Lord... I just want to say thank you for this church. I thank you for um, your hand upon it. I thank you for the vision for the future. And I just want to pray, as I share this morning, that you would speak um, not only through me, but to me and to all of us here. And we just commit our weight here now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to share this morning on the theme of perception is not reality. And uh, this last whole week has been a very interesting time. I mean, last weekend we had Guy Fawkes. Then we had the All Blacks were beaten by Ireland. And then we had Donald Trump become the new president-elect of the United States. Well, Guy Fawkes is a bit of a fizzer. The All Blacks were beaten, but the sun didn't stop coming up the next day, surprisingly enough. And, yeah, Donald Trump was elected president to be in spite of the perception that the media had given us over a lot of months that Hillary was going to win by a landslide. Yeah. It's really amazing. And um, I came home the night of the election. I'd been out doing a, um, another lecture somewhere. And uh, <clears throat> my wife said to me, Trump's becoming president. All the markets are going to crash. The media is saying all the markets are going to crash. What do you know, two or three days later, they were as high as they'd ever been. So I want to share with you this morning about the fact that perception is not reality. And I want to add to it by saying that painted perception is definitely not reality because the perception that we have of so much that happens in the world today is a perception that's actually painted by the media and people that are working in opposition to the purposes of God. Does that sound reasonable? Okay. So we get things like global warming, which I'm not going to talk about much. But um, is, is that really true, or is it just a perception that we are fed by the media? Yeah. So the question I want to ask this morning is, how do we live out our faith in a world where perception is not reality? Now, if you have a look at the next couple of slides here, look, what, what do you see? Four or three? Okay? What about the next one? How, where are all the legs? So what is reality? And I want to take you back into the book of Genesis. 
Genesis chapter 6, the story of Noah. And I want to explain to you or help you to understand how to live out your faith in this kind of confusing, challenging world we live in. I also, because we're sharing communion this morning, I want to show you how the very elements of communion are embedded in the story of Noah's Ark in the most incredible, profound way. If this doesn't encourage your faith, I don't know what will. So, let's have a look at the story of Noah's Ark. Let's read it. And uh, remember that Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. So, Genesis chapter 6. And I'm just picking it up from verse 5. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. Notice some of the emotive words there. This feeling in this. This is not just a story. This is a story that reflects on the heart of God. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth, man and animals and creatures that move along the ground and birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them. But Noah found favour in the eyes of the Lord. This is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all the people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood, cypress wood rather, make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. And this is how you're to build it. The ark is to be 450 feet long, 70 feet 5 feet wide and 45 feet high. Make a roof for it and finish the ark to within 18 inches of the top. Put a door in the side of the ark and make lower, middle and upper decks. I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens, every creature that has the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, and you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you, two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, and every kind of creature that moves on, on, along the ground will come to keep you alive. You're to take every kind of food that's to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. And noted everything just as God had commanded him. There's two other verses um, in Hebrews. By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith he condemned the world, became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. In Second Peter, if he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood, on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Well, one of the amazing things about the way God does things is that the, the truth of the gospel is embedded in cultures right around the world. And I'm going to illustrate this a little bit this morning. I went to Bible college years ago, and we had a guy come and visit us, a guy called Don Richardson. He wrote a book called The Peace Child. And some of you may have read that book. If you haven't read it, it's a fantastic book. 
And basically his theme was that God has embedded the truth of the gospel in cultures right around the world. Now I want to show you some stuff from the Chinese language. The Chinese language is evidently the oldest language in the world. So we're going to have the next slide up, please. Um, this ancient emperor, this is 2,500 BC, ordered this historian to establish a writing system in China. So they invented these characters based on pictographs, representing each word by the physical appearance of the object. So the characters evolved with time, and you can read the Chinese language today, and it's still there. So next one, please. So if you look at the word for creation, it's comprised of the following components. Death plus breath of life plus from God's mouth plus motion equals creation. Isn't that amazing? Okay, so if you're Chinese and you're reading, what about the next one? Forbidden. Tree of knowledge plus tree of life plus command from God. Isn't that amazing? Forbidden. Okay, next one. Righteousness means to raise a lamb above us. This is two and a half thousand years BC. The truth of the gospel is embedded. Where do they get this from? How do they understand it? How do they know? God was at work doing things long before we ever thought of these ideas. Next one, please. So we're coming on to Noah's Ark today. And uh, again, as I said, it's an amazing story. Next one. Mountains of Ararat, that's where it's supposed to be. Next one. But the Chinese word for ship is composed of the following components. Boat plus eight plus mouth, that's a family member, equals a ship. Wow, hey! Isn't that incredible? So here we are. We're going to have a look at Genesis chapter 6. And right at the story of where God comes to speak to Mount Noah, you see the two lines, the godly line and the ungodly line, coming together. And as I mentioned before, there's an emotion in the words that God expresses. You find it says that he is grieved. The word actually means displeased and sorrowful. He's in pain, kind of associated with physical pain. Now, I've got five kids, one lovely wife and five kids. And any of you who have kids will know that as they grow up, kids have their, make their own choices. And as parents, you have to stand back sometimes and you cannot either get involved, you, you, you feel their pain, they make dumb decisions, they do stupid things, you get angry with your kids. You understand what I'm saying? And not only angry, but you grieve for them. And that's what the heart of God is like towards mankind. And that's how he feels towards all of us here this morning. God has feelings too. And when he looked at mankind, he was deeply grieved, and he actually moved him to do something about it. Hence the story of Noah's Ark. And I want to suggest to you that love and anger are very closely associated emotions. We get angry with things because they are wrong. If you see somebody getting hurt, you get angry because they don't need to be hurt like that. Things don't need to happen. So anger is a very valid emotion. So when we come to the story of Noah's Ark, it is a story of judgment. the story of God's judging mankind. And in that sense, it's not a very pleasant thing to talk about. But it is a reality that was there regardless of the perceptions of people of that day. So if you were a person back in Noah's day, and you weren't one of Noah's family, the perception is that everything would have been fine. And Jesus talks about this. 
when he said, as it is in the days of Noah, it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. He said people will be marrying and working and all. Life will be normal. And people's perception is that that is all that there is. I want to suggest to you that if you're a believer this morning, if you want to become a believer, then there is a different reality that we need to live out of rather than the perception that the world gives us. And I want to, I want to just highlight about six things as we go through. And, uh, and these are just six kind of comments. There's a whole lot more in the story that I can't comment on. But the first is I want to comment on a word here that is a kind of a pivotal word. And it's a, it's a pivotal word in Scripture, and it may be a word for you this morning. And it's a very simple word, and it's found in verse 8 of chapter 6. But Noah found favor in the eyes of God. Now that word, but, could be your word this morning. You know the, the um, Amazing Grace song, I was blind, but now I see. And maybe you've come here this morning, and you're facing a whole lot of issues. There are things in your life, maybe in your family, maybe in your marriage, maybe in your work. And you're looking for a solution, you're looking for an answer. And all you can see is the perception of what you see. That's all you see. I want to say to you, but God. Remember when Daniel um, was called before King Nebuchadnezzar? And Nebuchadnezzar had this dream. And nobody could interpret it. And, And he called Daniel, and Daniel said to him, There is no man on earth that can tell you what these dreams mean. But there is a God in heaven. And I will tell you what that dream means because my God can tell you. Same thing. So where are you this morning? Are you looking for that but, for God to intervene in your life and change the trajectory of what's happening? I've had experiences like that. And we all can. I just want to encourage you this morning. Maybe you're facing something that's pretty challenging. But... God can find a way through. So, Noah found favor in the eyes of God. How do we find favor in the eyes of God? Seek and you shall find. Ask and it shall be given. God, you don't have to reach a standard. You only have to heart, have a heart that is looking for God's purposes. You know, Jesus said that, Come unto me, all you the heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Start moving your life in that direction. So, God can break in. He can change things. He can make the impossible possible. The but. So hang on to that word but. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that the ark wasn't Noah's idea. (laughs) Noah wasn't a boat builder. He wasn't an engineer. He was probably just an ordinary guy. But it it wasn't his idea to build an ark. God spoke to him and told him to build an ark. And so often we try and solve our things our ways. God had his way, and his idea, however it came to Noah, was not Noah's idea. And I think we need to underline that, that God always has something else in his other hand. And I think somebody mentioned that, was it last week or this week? So, and I've had that experience. I've had things come out of left field. You wonder, where in the heck did that come from? It wasn't me. It's God. So hang on to that. The plan was from God himself. And you look at all the gospel message that we have, the message of Jesus dying on a cross, wasn't mankind's idea. In fact, the Gentiles call it foolishness. That's what Paul said. And yet, it's the reality out of which we live in. 
Okay, the third thing I want to comment on, I'm just going through and com- making some small comments on some of these because John doesn't want me to be here all morning. Um, <laughs> and I haven't preached for a while, you see. So, um, The third thing I want to point out is that Noah received what we call propositional revelation. Now, if you've never heard this term, I want to say this is one of the most critical things in this whole message. And this is a defining line for so many churches in the world. When I talk about propositional revelation, what I'm saying is that God actually spoke to Noah and gave him content. Okay? Noah just didn't have an experience and wrote it down. Noah didn't have a 51% vote of people in his culture as to, as to what the ethics and morals were. God had actually revealed his truth to Noah with content. Now, the Ten Commandments are propositional revelation. God spoke. Okay? He spoke to Noah and he gave him the details of the ark. So that information came from our creator, was outside our universe, as it were, outside our world, and spoke into it and gave Noah information with content. That's propositional revelation. So it wasn't based on his um, subjective experience or what he thought. It was based upon something that came beyond him. And this is absolutely critical. So it's very interesting. If we go back into the book of Genesis, the first question was asked is, has God spoken? <laughs> Why? That's the foundation of everything. Has God spoken? The first question, questioning whether God had spoken or not. The same question is being raised throughout churches throughout the world. Has God spoken on things like sexuality? I'm not going to go into that. But has he actually spoken? Has God got definitive things that he's actually said? And if you say no, well, you're off on another tangent. So by faith, when Noah warned by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, and holy fear built an ark to save his family. By faith, he condemned the world. So God warned him. He spoke to him. Hebrews chapter 6 and uh, talks about God's word being an anchor. It's something that we cannot move. So you may have a perception of what you think is right, but the reality is that God's word is an anchor, and that's a different starting point, as it were. So it's really important. I think this is one of the questions for our day and, and um, for our age and particularly for our churches. And having been a Baptist pastor for a number of years, I noticed over a period of time a shift in people's perception of where Scripture was placed in terms of its authority. And I remember about 15 to 20 years ago talking to Baptist pastors and being concerned about their view of Scripture and how they understood it and how it applied. The problem is that we may start with a view that seems reasonable, but where it takes us is actually quite different, and I believe that's one of the keys as to why Baptist churches have been losing their place, because I actually believe we we need a reformation back to God's Word in our current world. So, for Christians, propositional revelation... For me, it's not an option. God has spoken. Our values, our morals and ethics are not determined by a 51% vote or what politicians say or what other people do. They're determined by what God says, and that is ultimately best for us. Okay, so that's the third thing, propositional revelation. The fourth thing is that it's an amazing design. I'm not going to comment much on this, but if you put the dimensions for the ark into a computer... You cannot come up with a a boat that's better designed for maximum space 
and usability. It wasn't designed to be an ocean liner to cruise through the seas. It was designed to float. But you put it through a computer, and it's just amazing. Where did Noah get all that stuff from? Got it from God. See, God has a perfect design. And you look at, you look at the story of, of salvation through the Scripture and the design and over centuries and how it all worked out. It's just amazing. You look at the prophecies and stuff and how they all fit together. It's just incredible. And, and you know, the more you dig into Scripture, the more that um, you... Um, by the way, I just forgot something I was going to show you on the... Can I just divert for a minute? Yeah. Cool. I got a bit. Yeah, here we are. Look, I'll come. I'll, I'll jump back and look. Do you know there are five hundred deluge legends around the world? Noah's Ark. See, I was too excited to get in my message. Next one. Eighty-six, twenty from Asia, seven from Africa, forty-six from the American continent, and ten from Australia and Pacific region. And the next one, sixty-two entirely different of the independent of the biblical tradition. Amazing, isn't it? Yeah. All these cultures never heard of the. A lot of them never heard of the Bible, and yet the story of Noah's in it. Anyway, slight diversion. So, okay. Number four, number four was the amazing design. Number five, it was an incredible act of faith to actually build the ark. Now, perception isn't reality, but our perspective determines the choices that we make. Well, I think this is incredibly important. If you believe, eat, drink, and be merry, and tomorrow you're going to die, you're going to live a certain way. But if you believe that you're actually an ambassador of heaven, that heaven is your home, God's word is true, you're going to choose different things. Your values are going to be different. So our starting point is really important. Our starting point, if it's from Scripture, it changes the choices that we make. If your starting point is a perception that's painted by the media and all their values and stuff, you'll end up in a slightly diff- in a significantly different place further down the track. So Noah's perspective was determined by what God had revealed to him and what was ultimately important. You think of it, he was facing a huge question. Has God really spoken to me? Is there really going to be a flood? Now look at some of the facts. There'd never been a flood. There hadn't even been rain up to that point because it says the earth was watered by a mist. Never been any rain. The boat was on dry land. (laughs) Life was going around as per normal. Do you know how long it took him to build the ark? Over a hundred years. And you think, you're waiting for God to do things. (laughs) hundred years. He was building this ark. He must have been really convinced about what he was doing. <laughs> That's all I can say. So he must have been the laughing stock of his day. You imagine what the media would have said about him in those days. Talk show hosts and all these talking about all these nutters and you know this fundamentalist nar and what he believed and all this kind of stuff. But you know, one of the things that really struck me about Noah's perspective, he's described as a preacher of righteousness. Here he is building the ark, taking over a hundred years, speaking the truth to the world around him and being rejected for it. Now, that takes courage. And some of you are probably in situations in work and maybe home where you're in the same situation, where you're surrounded by people that don't exactly hold your values, that are going in a different direction. So it's really interesting that it says that God, um, Noah found favor with God. 
He was a preacher of righteousness, but he, he found favor with God. And to me, that's a real key. Because one of the things as Christians is that we are called to speak the truth in love. Now, I get ashamed of so much many Christians who um, can speak the truth, <laughs> kill these people, wipe them off the face of the earth, and all that, you know, that's extreme stuff. But as Christians, we're called to speak the truth in love. And that is incredibly difficult at times, especially when you don't necessarily agree with people and the way, their choices they are, they make and the things that they do. But that's the only answer. And we can be quick to condemn, and I think the church needs to apologise for condemning certain groups of people. Over, the, But we also need to speak the truth in love. And I think that's why Noah found favour with God, because he found a way to do that. So all of us are building something. I'm building something for eternity because one day I'm going to die and I'm going to stand before God on Judgment Day. And it's going to be determined, is, is what I've done really lasting? Going to 1 Corinthians, it talks about the wood, hay and the stubble and the gold. What are you building? What, where do you take your starting point for the choices that you make? Because at the end of the day, it is going to be tested. And Noah's choices were tested as well. So we're all building something. And it will all be tested. And that's why as Christians, we need to make hard choices often based upon not perception, but the reality of what God actually says. Does that make sense? Okay. So, now the sixth thing I want to say is that if you go into chapter 7, it says that um, God told Noah to go into the ark. And he said seven days from now there's going to be a flood. Now, just imagine, back in those days, and you're Noah. And you've been building this ark for 100 years, and the animals come in, and God says to you, I want you to go into the ark now, and seven days from now a flood's going to come. And we can read those words, and we, they're just words. But you put yourself in that situation. What an incredible step of faith. What an incredible thing to do. And yet as Christians, that's what we're required to do. Now later on, I'm going to have an appeal. And I had a word this morning. And, um, because sometimes we have to take a step of faith that shows the direction that we actually want to go and whether we actually believe what we say we believe. Make sense? Yeah. When I was in Taupo, and I don't know why this came before, but uh, we had a lady in our church, an Australian lady by the name of Judy. And um, she became a Christian. She told me, I baptised her. She'd been going to church for about 25 years. <laughs> never become a Christian. Wow. In church for about 25 years. Because she'd never ever made that commitment to Jesus Christ. She thought going to church was just okay. It was where it was at. And maybe you're that person here this morning. You always sat on the fence. You always sat back a little bit. Sometimes you have to take that step of faith and walk through the door because there is no other option. So faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And know for sure Hope that God's word was true. And uh, 
He didn't see the flood, hadn't arrived at that stage. But we've all got choices. So every one of us this morning has choices. One of the sacred things that God gives us in life. Okay, the seventh thing. You know there's only one door on the ark? <laughs> only one door. You know, we have lo- I've had lots of discussions over the years about, you know, and other other ways to into the kingdom of God. Is there, are there other ways for other religions? There's only one door into the ark. Jesus said, no man comes to the Father except through me. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Now, you can say, I don't agree, agree with that. Well, that's fine. That's your perception. But is it reality? Is it really what God says? And in the ark, there was only one door. You know the interesting thing about the door? When Noah went into the ark, who shut the door? God shut the door. We can make choices, but God always has the final say. So that's why it's so critical, I believe, in all of this. Perception is not reality. That's why it's so critical that in our church today we have really good biblically-based teaching. And I want to say thank John and the team for that. So it's good to have good biblical stuff. Because that is our starting point for making decisions based upon the reality of God's purposes for us. I do a lot of hunting, so I've got a GPS. It's easy to get lost in places like Stuart Island, but if you've got a GPS, you can say, know exactly where you are. In a sense, the Bible is our GPS. It's the, it's the, it's the shows us where we're at and where we're to go. Okay, so do you understand what I'm saying this morning? That perception is not reality. God's word defines the reality out of which we live. I want to read you a story just to illustrate this. And to me, it's, it's, some of you will have heard this story. It's an amazing story. It's a transcript of a radio conversation of a U.S. naval ship with Canadian authorities off the coast of Newfoundland in October 1995. And the radio conversation was released by the Chief of Naval Operations in 1995. So the Americans, please divert your course 15 degrees to the north to avoid a collision. Canadians, recommend you divert your course 15 degrees to the south to avoid a collision. Americans, this is the captain of a U.S. Navy ship. I say again, divert your course. Canadians, no, I say again, you divert your course. (laughs) Americans, this is the aircraft carrier USS Lincoln, the second largest ship in the United States Atlantic Fleet. We are accompanied by three destroyers, three cruisers, and numerous support vessels. I demand that you change your course 15 degrees north, that's one five degrees north, or countermeasures will be undertaken to ensure the safety of the ship. Canadians, this is a lighthouse. You, your call. Now, you see what I mean? Perception is not reality. The reality was the lighthouse. Okay. As the musicians come up now, I just want to, um, I mentioned before about the fact that um, the story of Noah, in the story of Noah, is prefigured the elements that are are at the centre of communion. And we share communion today, the bread and the wine, uh, stands for the body and the blood of Jesus. 
If you go into um, verse 14 of Genesis 6, a very interesting verse. God said to Noah, so make yourself an ark of cypress wood with rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. Now what I want to comment on is the words coat it with pitch inside and out. So the pitch was designed to keep the water out of the ark, but it was on the outside of the boat and on the inside of the boat. Now you're familiar with the word atonement. Jesus was made an atonement for our sins. In the Old Testament, the word for pitch is the identical word for atonement. Okay? And we know from the story of the, the mercy seat and the, what the high priest did that there was an atonement for sin each year and ultimately fulfilled in Jesus that not only reconciled people to God, but protected them from God's judgment. And here it is prefigured in the ark. The same word used for atonement. The atonement protects God's people from the judgment that God is bringing on mankind for their sin. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Habakkuk 2.14 says, For the earth will be filled with the glory of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Psalm 32 Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. But you know, there's more to it. It was inside and the outside. And I remember one of my favourite authors many years ago was a guy called Francis Schaeffer. And some of you will be familiar with him. He set up an organisation called Le Brie in Switzerland. And he was a world-recognised um, teacher, particularly with apologetics. And he made the comment that when man comes to the cross, when we become Christians, we have to bow twice. And one is to our humanity, and the other is the actions that we've done. Now, when you think, you link that back to the ark being coated inside and out, there are two aspects that we need to be forgiven for in terms of our relationship with God. One is who we are as people. I stand before you this morning as a sinful, broken person. My, my nature tends me to want to do things that are not right. So by nature... I fall short of the glory of God. I need to be forgiven for that. But what about the choices that I make that flow out of the nature that I have? So there's two aspects. Forgiven for who we are as people, but also for the forgiveness for the things that we've done. That's all prefigured in the ark. Isn't that amazing? So maybe here this morning you're really struggling with forgiveness. I want to tell you it's one of the greatest gifts that Jesus can give you is forgiveness. All of us need to know that we are clean in the eyes of God. We don't have to look back. We can look forward to that new world with God's people. So what I want to do is challenge you this morning. Look, if you are a non-believer here this morning and you'd love to know that forgiveness... You'd love to know the certainty of being on a new journey with God's people. When the, when the musicians lead us in a time of worship, just one song, be like Noah. Got to walk towards that door. There's only one door. Yeah. And uh, maybe a few feet to walk, but it may be the most significant few feet you've ever walked in your life. 
And you may say, oh, I couldn't do that. It's too embarrassing. Everyone's on your side here. Yeah. The other thing is, do you want to let your embarrassment hold you back from entering God's purpose? Are you going to walk out that door and think, I wish? wish I'd done it? So my invitation to you this morning is, if you've never made that commitment, do something about it this morning. There's no pressure. Look, if you want to talk to somebody about it later, that's fine. But there's an opportunity this morning. And then after that, I just want to lead you very briefly in communion. And um, Yeah, so perception is not reality. God's reality is what we're called to live out. And that is a challenging thing in today's world. But it's exciting. God bless you. Thanks. We're just going to sing a song that is...